So I think it's to all of these things um, that this passage I've, I've liked for a long time, but have tried to like differently, I guess, the past few days, um, that I want us to just read together and then kind of briefly talk about and then pray together about. Um, but it's Psalm 16. So if you have your Bible, turn to it or your phone or whatever. And Eric, I didn't tell you before, man, but if you find it real quick and put it on, that's, that's great. If not, it's okay. It's okay. Um, so Psalm, he found that pretty quick. So I assume there's like a computer back there or something. So interesting. Um, yeah, I think he is too. Yeah, that's also true. That y'all know this about me gives me joy. Sort of. No, it does. Okay. So, uh, this is this. Um, Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. As for the saints in the land, they are, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. The Lord is my chosen portion. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure, for you will not abandon my soul to Sheol. Sheol is like um, before there were thoughts of heaven or hell, all the dead went to Sheol, and that was it. So um, we'll pause on other points. I just want to let you know what Sheol is. So Sheol is uh, not hell, it's not heaven, it's just after. Okay, so that's what um, they would have probably believed at this time, David would have believed in Sheol, and the thought that God wouldn't leave him there alone was all that, the hope that probably was there, okay? Or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Um, Let's go back and start. Let's just go through it together. Um, preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. This is an interesting one. To say uh, without you there's no good in me is, is very interesting um, until you know yourself and then you know that left to your devices, we could be like probably averageish people, most of us, right? Like a lot of you are really good probably, I'm like average at best good, just Austin, like wanting to do Austin things or like wanting people to see Austin the way I want them to see me or whatever else, right? And I know this about myself and you know this about you. You know what you are left to yourself, right? And so this idea of saying that there's no good in us apart from God doesn't mean you wouldn't do a nice thing. That's not what it means, right? There's people in the world who do amazingly nice wonderful things. That's not it. It's, it's not saying that you couldn't um, be a good parent, right? I mean, I, we, we've all had parents that sometimes trusted in God with their life, 
A lot of them did not. And they were really good to us, right? So that's not necessarily what the psalmist is getting at. The psalmist is getting at, I'm singing this song, I'm writing this poetry, I know myself. I know that left to my devices, I don't have a lot to hang my hat on. There's not a lot that I could be proud of. Yes, I might be nice to my kid, but I would wish I was better. Or I know that niceness came from a place of whatever attitude or whatever selfishness or just to make them quiet or just to make them tell their teacher that we had a fun trip or just to whatever, right? I know I might could do nice things as a spouse or a partner or whatever, but we know us and I know personally, I know me and there's not a lot left to Austin that I do that I would hang my hat on for Lily. Not a lot. I know that those things are the things that are maybe good or redemptive or beautiful that I might get to be a part of are because something has happened in here to change it. And the psalmist understands that very well. That's, that's that statement. It's not saying only evil acts come from me. <laughs> that's not it. <clears throat> Someone is capable of doing nice actions, good deeds, right? It's the idea that looking inwardly at ourselves that we would know ourselves. So I think just with, with Psalm 16, right off the bat, a lot of us should feel like, oh, I'm with you. This sounds great. I can, I can listen to this song. Me and you are one together, right? And if they sang this as a chorus, right, or as little kids, if they recited this, they might all understand this. Or it's like helping teach them to understand. It's like, be inward looking, be inward thinking, know thyself, understand that our actions come from a place of selfishness. Our hopes also do. We are self-persevering people. Like we, we want good for us. And if that ever happens that we want good for others, I know that's not from like original Austin, personally. Right? That's this idea. That's this line right out of the gate. Is that without, without you... Without your change, without your redemption, without your leading, I don't do anything good, really. Nothing originates from me that is beautiful and great and excellent and selfless because we know ourselves, right? That's that idea. That's the idea we're getting on right on the beginning. It says, that's for the saints in the land. They are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. The sorrow of those who run after another God shall multiply their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. I know I said it with the way I read it like 13 times, but this idea that the Lord is your chosen portion is pretty beautiful. It's like God being your portion doesn't like happen upon you, right? Like, yes, God comes and gets us, right? And God comes and Rescues, depending on your theology, you may think that you had no choice but to, right? We, we have that, we can debate all those things, but the idea to make God your portion every day is chosen by us. It's choice. I can't, like, have done that five months ago and trust that one day I chose God to be my portion or I had this moment that was beautiful months ago. So I'm surely good to go. Or however, right? No, it's, 
It's, it's this idea of eating and drinking. It's the idea of needing nourish, nourishment that, that you would choose God's nourishment. You would choose God's presence for you and say, no, you're my portion. I choose to have that, right? I choose to feast on that instead of whatever. I choose to acknowledge your lordship in my life right now. I choose to say, no, I will, I will try to think through what is actually the best decision in my job, in the company I run, in the this, it, wh- whatever it may be. I'm going to choose to like think through this and pray through it and attempt to find this joint answer. I want to hear from God on this. I'm choosing the Lord to be my portion in this deal. And you know, I, I have to say on this one, really, <coughs> for us, our people, this is extremely crucial for us. Um, we feel like, I think right now, talking with a bunch of you, um, we're all, we all feel like, and we are, I don't say feel like as like, we feel like this, but we feel like we're all making pretty crucial decisions for our life right now, right? Whether it's within conflict with our spouses or parents or job, whether it's um, running a business, starting a business, add a new career, add a new this, like there's these points we feel like we're at this like crucial tipping point on a lot of things, you know, uh, about to uh, foster, about to maybe have kids, about to think through this thing, about to, we have all these moments, right? To choose for the Lord to be your portion in the midst of it is something incredibly crucial for you and I. And it has to be chosen. You're not going to naturally, haphazardly fall upon the holy and righteous way to talk to this person. More than likely, if you're like me at all, you're going to choose your way of going about it. The one you're most comfortable with. The one you've relied on for 35 years. Right? You're going to choose the easiest way. The one that's most beneficial for you. The one that gets you out of conflict. The one that puts you in conflict, if you're certain ones of us. If you're, you're going to choose that. Instead of saying, okay, and I'm choosing to feast on your wisdom now. I'm choosing to stop, take a breath, and and search for wisdom. I'm choosing to stop and ask advice. I'm choosing to stop and ask for a bigger capacity to love through me. We must do that differently. We, We need to be people who choose God's portion or, well, choose for God to be the, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. He knows exactly what I mean. You know what I'm saying? That's got to be something about us that's like a characteristic of us. I think sometimes it's, it's the outlier rather than the rule for us. It's like we're so glad we finally did that, that we're excited and can go on forever with that idea. Instead of it being our norm, instead of feasting daily, on God as our portion, as our energy to get through it, as our patience, as our love, as our generosity, as our sacrifice, as our selflessness. We don't do that. We do it that one day and we're like, man, how wonderful was that? I feel like on that Monday I chose, I chose God's way. Like I actually relied on his power. It was amazing. I can't wait to do that again in like three or four months from now when I'm wore out because I did it that one time and it's empty. You know, that's, I feel like that's what we do. I don't know why I do that. I don't know why. 
But to be a people who say, the Lord is, my, is the chosen portion of my cup. He holds my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. This idea that lines fall for you in pleasant places is kind of like the path of your life or the boundary of your inheritance, the boundary of you. It's like, I'm pleased with it. I'm pleased with my life, right? This idea of, oh man, this is good. It's hard. It is difficult. It has been confusing. It's tricky. That's why my son say, oh, what we're doing is very tricky, right? It, it can be that. But to be able to say, when God is our chosen portion, we are able to say, oh, the lines are good for us. Things are going very well. I am I'm joyful about our stage of life. Yes, it is hard, but man, God has cared for us to get us here. Look around us at everything that is beautiful. Man, these lines are drawn well. It's something that I think if we, again, I think is dependent on us choosing <laughs> to see things away or choosing to rely on God's joy or choosing to rely on the strength to get through things that are, are impossible, Right? It goes on and says, I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is my right hand, I will not be shaken. Again, this is something for us that, that must become the norm for us. To say that God always gives me counsel. To, for, to get the counsel, you must go to it first, right? God sometimes graciously thrusts counsel upon us. Right? Like sometimes your friend comes to you and they're like, hey, I see something that you may not see and I love you, so I got to tell you it. Right? You didn't ask them for that. Usually we don't. If you do, good for you. You're awesome. You're the rarity. Say, would you tell me something hard about myself? Can we do that for a little bit? Let's set a date for that. I'll be ready. I promise I'll agree with you. Right? We don't do that. We don't do that. So sometimes, yes, counsel interrupts us because God loves us so. Right? But what about being people? What about being people who actually do want God's counsel? They don't say on the way to something hard, oh God, please give me strength for this. The end of prayer. No listening needed. I just want to tell you a thing. I want to tell you how I want you to like magically make me respond well. Which is, again, if that's what we can muster, do it to it. Right? I'm with you. But what about the like the people who know that something's awry and so meditate on that and say, God, I need help with this. I want to listen to you. I want to sit in quiet and let my heart be instructed, right? The heart instructs this person. To, to have like this, this time where we search and we read stories in here and we ask for advice and we seek counsel and we say, God, really help me be better here. What steps do I take now? How do I love this person better? How in the world can I possibly find joy in the midst of blank? How? And actually wait and let God counsel you. Let God counsel you through someone. Let Scripture come alive to you and speak to you. We, we are people who that is rare for, unfortunately. Again, that's still the outlier for us. I, 
Unfortunately, we are not characterized by that, right? I doubt if, if not, not self-deprecating way at all either, but I doubt if I was like, what's that one thing about Austin Evers? I doubt he'd be like, you know what? I think he probably really seeks God's counsel about everything he says. Probably not. Probably not, right? I would love for that to be. I'd love for that to be something that characterizes my life, that, that is something that's a part of me, you know? And we keep going with this. Therefore, my heart is glad. Uh, I have the Lord always before me. Is at my right hand, so I'm very glad. Therefore, my heart is glad, and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure, for you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. Now, let's do this. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is the fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. I want us to notice how the sentences aren't structured. It's not structured. You make known to me the path of life, therefore I'm full of joy. Right? The pleasures of your right hand are abounding me, therefore I am full of joy. That's the fullness of joy. We don't have that, right? What brings the fullness of joy? God's presence. That's it. God's presence is the joy bringer here. We, we very, very like haphazardly move from that being joyful, from God's actual company with you being the center, the bringer, the catalyst, the actual joy itself. We move quickly from that to the other lines of this poem wherever we go, right? To the lines being drawn for me. Oh, that's fullness of joy, actually. If I knew the next steps, fullness of joy. And that's what we seek, right? We go to God so that we might get our next steps. We might get what to do next, right? You make the path known to me of life. If we would just have that God, that would bring us joy. If I just knew how to move these next four weeks, how to move about life these next four weeks, full of joy, I'm good. Or if I could just have pleasures forevermore, if this one part of my life that's giving me pain could be fixed and then instead be a pleasure, oh, fullness of joy, God, right? But that's not what the psalmist says. Those things are secondary to the actual presence of God. The, the, the joy, the, like, again, <coughs> the beginning of it, the fullness, the catalyst, the joy itself, the essence of it, whatever ways we want to try to say it, comes from God's presence with this person. These other things are great. Having counsel late at night, great. Having our heart instruct us in our sleep, beautiful, right? Knowing the next steps so that you can navigate these next six months, be amazing, right? But the fact that the presence of God is the joy that shouldn't be a surprise to us, right? So when I was growing up, um, <clears throat> my, my dad worked a lot. He's a real hardworking guy. Um, he was a ranch foreman all his life. 
So at weird times, he would have to go work with cows. It's like a lot of Christmases, we would have Christmas, then he'd be like, okay, I got to go feed the calves. He'd run feed the calves, then he'd come back. I mean, he wouldn't like stay gone on purpose all day or anything. He would like go do what he needed to do and come back. It was always quite annoying to me and my sister sometimes. She'd be like, I want to play with our toys with you. And he'd be like, I know, we we will. I'll just, I'll be right back, right? So he'd go and come back. Um, And it's not like the searing memory. It didn't, I don't think that like wounded me in different ways. We just noticed it and it was like annoying, you know. But we did have this thing, he and I did, um, and we did it every Sunday that I wanted to. It was like possible. But in my kid brain, it was every Sunday of any Sunday of my whole life, I could always request this and we would do it. We'd go play baseball. He'd hit me 200 grounders, and then we'd hit till it got dark, right? And that's what we did. Every Sunday, we would do that, every time. And, you know, I, I think about that a lot now, because I don't see him as much, you know what I mean? And I don't think about it, because I think about what a good infielder I became because of it. What did that service me, right? I don't make, what is it? What was the latest contract? Rinian, the third baseman, $254 million, something like that, over, like, however many years he wants. Ridiculous. Yeah, Ridiculous. Yeah, it's a good life. That didn't quite happen for me, right, you know? I mean, we hit all the time. I must have hit with my dad thousands of baseballs, right? Do When I think about those times, do you think I think about that? Like how well I hit one day? I don't remember. I could make it up to you for a story and be like, oh, I smashed that one day. I didn't, probably, right? I didn't. We did 200 grounders every single Sunday. Not one Sunday did I get all 200 grounders cleanly and field them, right? But I don't, I don't remember what the highest number was. I don't. I don't. What I remember, not to be cheesy, but what I remember is time uninterrupted to talk about anything with my father. Anything. And we do. We talk about everything. I asked him about dating my mother. I asked him what it was like when they got pregnant and had to tell their parents. I asked him what it was like for me to be starting dating and how should I handle this part as I was dating this older girl, too young, and what was that like? I asked him, you know, about treating my mom better better because I was upset with her at a time. He told me stories and stories about his brothers and sisters, about his relationship with his father. And we talked about life, and we talked about baseball a lot, obviously, but we just talked about everything because we were in each other's company for long periods of time doing a thing that I don't even give a about anymore. Right? I don't care about that part. But the presence brought me joy that still hangs in there for me. Right? I like it. We'll tell each other jokes about things we talked about now. I'm 36 years old. That is 20 years ago or more. And we can tell each other, we can joke to each other about things we said or laughed about 20 years ago doing this thing in each other's company. That company, the presence, gave me joy. My dad's undivided attention with me doing a thing, happy about it with me, gave us joy. So it should not surprise us that it's not the, the, the gifts the things, the whatever. It's, it's the presence with God the Father that is the joy catalyst. And yet, we don't press into that. We would rather, some of us, have an absentee father that just came back from a trip and gave a gift to apologize. We treat God like that's the kind of father we want him to be. And that is so interesting to me that I do that. That I say, I don't, we don't have to spend time together but you know what I need? 
blank. Made a present. Made a present. When really we know the company is better. And, and we just don't know the Father enough <clears throat> to trust that's where the joy comes from. And so what I want us to do, if we want the fullness of joy, we want to experience it differently, then I want us to choose today, tomorrow, this week, choose for God to be your portion. Choose for the company. Say, God, actually, yes. I want to know how to handle these next six months of my life because they're going to be crazy. I want to make it through the holiday, to be honest. I want the sorrow that's been accompanying me every day to not wash over me, maybe. I want this loss to not define me. Whatever it is for you, obviously God knows you want that, and that's great to say. Say it and say it and say it again. But also, I want us to understand that maybe we also just say, I just need your company. Can we sit together for a bit? Can we spend this afternoon just in dialogue as I do whatever it is? Can you help me realize that you are with me now so that we can do this together rather than me coming back to you later when we've always been each other? That's another part of this I really like. First, the writer says, God, you are always at my right hand. And then he says, God, I love that I'm always at your right hand. This idea that they, they are like, this togetherness of they are each other's right hand, which is kind of beautiful, right? It's not just like, oh, please help me. Or God's like, hey, do this for me. There's the exchange, which I think is really cool and really neat. But if we see our day like that, what would that change about our day? How might joy fill us differently? If we said, nope, time with you is what I want. Your presence, that's, that's what I want today.